Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, We know it as the Great Commission, but let us listen to the word of the Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, be near as we are still. May we hear your word, and Lord, may your power come over us so that we would be doers of your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And I don't know about you, but, but we love being people who are in charge or in control. I think this starts as a young, uh, at a young age. Uh, we like things done my way, or we, and we like to make decisions. I remember as a kid... Um, it was always a big deal whenever it was our birthday because that means we got to choose where to go out to eat, and that was a big thing, so that, that I had the choice to say where our whole family was going. And I know that for, for our boys, uh, when, uh, it's that we do the same thing. My parents do the same thing with them. They get to choose where to, to go, and that's a big deal. We like this idea of making decisions. We like this idea of being in charge and having power. And so kids, I'd invite you in box two, or if you're watching at home, kids, uh, just get a scratch sheet of paper out, and I'd love for you to draw a picture of what you would do if you could choose your family's activity for the day. What would you do if you could choose your family's activity for the day, all right? Um, Because we do. We are people who like power, and we live in a world um, in which power is a big thing. Now, I I like this definition of power by the guy... a guy by the name of Andy Crouch, and he said this, that power is the ability to take meaningful action. And so at different points in times, we have different sort of level of power and authority. Sometimes it's obvious. Right now, I have a certain amount of power because I have the microphone and I'm standing at the front. But also, I realize that um, at any point in time, if I upset the guys over here in our our sound booth or tech booth, they could turn my mic off, right? Um, They could turn the video camera off, and all of a sudden, it would would be a very different experience, right? We, We each have some ability to take some meaningful action in this world. And the question is, how do we use power? Do we use power for ourselves to make our lives better, or do we use it to make other people's life better? Now, power, like so many things, is, is, is a neutral thing, but it lends itself to being abused or exploited. We all can probably think of somebody, um, whether it be somebody in our family or whether it be a, a boss or a teacher or a coach or, 
or somebody who has abused power, sometimes in a very significant way in our lives. And, and we've experienced the negative side of that. But also power can sometimes unintentionally be abused or be used. That somebody doesn't even realize the power that they're having. And yet they're still able to dominate in a way that is not helpful for other people. As, uh, as we approach the, the 4th of July and, and we, we, we celebrate um, the, the freedom of America and our Independence Day, it, it's interesting to me that the, the Constitution that we formed is essentially, to me, a document about power. And the genius of our founding fathers is really all about the separation of power. I mean, if you think about it, it really is a division of power. That they, they divided it from the, in three different branches, right? We have the legislative branch, the executive branch, and we have the judicial branch. Even the legislative branch is divided in power from the Senate, which gives equal, equal representation to all states, and the, the House of Representatives that depends on population. Um, you might be elected for two years if you're um, in the House of Representatives or six years if you're in the Senate, but four years if you're the president, right? There's all these different checks and balances because our founding fathers knew that the tendency of power was to be used for abuse. But that document goes on to, to talk about the specific powers that we have as individuals, the, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, that these are powers that we hold as individuals, but it also gives states powers. Essentially, it's a document about power because they know and we know that it's so easy for us to go on a power trip one way or another. And so I sometimes find myself living into power because I have authority in different settings. And sometimes I can even not even understand the power that I have or I like it too much to be the one that is in charge. And here's what we learned from Spider-Man, right? That with great power comes great responsibility. That with great power, the more power we have, the more responsibility we have to use it well. And so one of the things that I want to ask each and every one of us here are these questions, and I think it'd be good for us to reflect on these questions over the next couple weeks. And the first is this, where do I hold power? Um, where, what are the different places that I have power? In my family, in my place of work, in this community of faith, in the community as a whole? Um, where are the different places that I hold power, but also how do I use my power? Do I find myself using it for myself? Do I find myself giving it away to others? What do I do with power? And do I follow the example of Jesus and what he did with the power that he had? Because nobody had more power, no human, than Jesus had. He was the most powerful person to ever walk this earth, and he had authority. Now, this is what it said in the scripture that we read earlier. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. This is a great deal of, of power that, that Jesus had when he walked this earth. But what is fascinating to me is that he did not hold on to it, but instead he gave it up. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures comes from Philippians chapter 2. And it tells us about what Jesus did with this power. So this is Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Have this mind amongst yourselves that Paul is encouraging us to be like Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, though he was God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Other versions say a thing to be exploited, all right? That he didn't want to use the fact that he was God to exploit that power. 
But verse 7 says this, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so what we see here in this text is that Jesus emptied himself. Now the Greek word for this is the word kenosis, all right? And it's this idea of a emptying of yourself, of, of getting rid of, of shedding something. And it's, it's fascinating to me what we can learn about what Jesus shed on his journey from heaven to earth. And so kids, in, in box three, I'm going to be sharing some big words all right, and I'm going to invite you to write those words down. They'll be on the screen, so I'm going to invite you to write these down, all right, as, as they come off. And like, again, these are, are some bigger words that we use. Now, here is the first thing, is that we believe that God, that, that Jesus was omni, omnipresent, all right? Now, that means that he is in all places. So before, um, before he came from heaven to earth, that Jesus had the ability to be everywhere, all right? And we believe that that's the same about God. We can say, I believe God is in this room. I believe God is in your living room. I believe God is at the Baptist church down the road. I believe God is at the church in Nigeria that's meeting this morning, the church in England, wherever it is, that God has the ability to be in all places. But when Jesus came from heaven to earth, he shed that ability to be in all places and instead chose to be in one place in one time. And so he gave up the ability to be in all places. Now, the next thing that he gave up is, is he was omniscient. Now, this idea of being omniscient is to be all-knowing. This would be um, a, a both a terrible and a wonderful thing to have, right? To, to know what everybody was thinking or to know what was going on. But we see that, that Jesus took the form of a human, all right? And specifically, he took the form of a baby. And so Jesus gave up knowing all things and instead entered into this world as a baby and into a human. He gave up all knowledge. Now the last thing he gave up was this idea of being omnipotent, all right, which is being all-powerful. Now I choose to believe that if, if God wanted to, that God could fly, all right? But Jesus, as far as we know, didn't fly when he was here on earth, all right? That, that this is not a power that, that he, he chose to use. He gave it up. He gave up the ability to be all-powerful. Isn't it interesting that, that Jesus could preach? He could preach as of somebody who had authority, but people still rejected his message. He, wasn't, he chose not to be all-powerful and make people believe things, but instead he gave them the option to believe things. And so he did not have all the power. He gave up these things. He gave up the ability to be in all places and instead in one place. He gave up the ability to know all things and instead just to know what was around him. And he gave up the power of being God. He emptied himself of that. But he kept a couple of things. And I think these things, now these things they don't have actual words for, but I'm making them up as we go along, all right? Is that he was omni agape, all right, that he was all loving. Agape is the Greek word for love that, that means self-sacrificial love. It's the best and highest form of love. And so what we believe is that Jesus emptied himself of all but love. And what he held on to was love in itself. And so Jesus gave up all these other things, but he kept this love for God and for one another. And that everything he did was motivated and driven by love. 
And he was also, I'm going to use the word omni-obedient. That he was all obedient, all dependent on God. I mean, that was one of the things that said here in this text. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so what Jesus, he gave up a lot of power, but he held on to this idea of being all loving and all dependent on God. And so in Jesus, God chose not to dominate other people with power, but instead to show that love and obedience unleashes true power. I mean, think about the movement that Jesus started 2,000 years ago, uh, that, that a small group of people, 11 people, had this movement that would spread over 2,000 years and would spread to almost every culture and language and tribe across the world. And that this is true power. Other people may have had movements that lasted while they were alive and, and maybe even generations after. But to have a movement that extends over 2,000 years all across the world is an extraordinary amount of power. And it didn't happen because Jesus flexed and it made it happen. But because Jesus gave himself up and people saw that love and obedience is the way. Now, some of you may be wondering out there, like, how did Jesus do his miracles then? Like, if, if Jesus gave up his power, like, how could he still walk on water? Or how could he still um, feed 5,000 or, or raise people from the dead? And I really believe that, that he gave up his power, but to do the miracles, he relied on the Spirit's power. That, that it was the Holy Spirit's power working through him, him being dependent and obedient to the power of the Spirit that enabled him to do things. It is that spirit that raised him from the dead, and it is that spirit that is available to you and I today. He gave up his power, but was still empowered through his connection to the Holy Spirit. And you and I, in a world in which sometimes we may feel powerless, we have access to the amazing power of God. And so at the end of his, his ministry and the end of his life on earth, he, grabbed, he gathered his disciples, and it's fascinating to me what he did with his power. Because he said, all authority has been given to me. And then he gives them what we call the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know if I agree with what God and Jesus' plan was. Because I wondered if he really knew the disciples the way I think I read those disciples, because they were kind of foolish people sometimes. I mean, if you think about what happened even in just sort of the last months of his life, that the person named Peter, who he said, on this rock I will build my church, right after that he said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Peter, who would later cut off the ear of, of one of the people who came to arrest Jesus. Peter, whose mouth always seemed to get him in trouble. And this is one of the people that Jesus would choose. Others of his disciples, they, they left him. They were afraid and they stayed away when Jesus was being crucified. They were hiding out in another room. Shortly before he died, his, Jesus, his disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. And then, when after Jesus has done all this, was crucified, died, and was resurrected. And they saw him, and they could put their hands in his wounds. And they, they could touch him, and they could hear him, and they could see him. And he was with them. 
And he said, look, I've shown you what's come true. We see these words in Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. This, like, you know, evidence alone doesn't always convince us of things, right? I mean, nobody else had ever done this before. And so these people that Jesus is about to empower are a messed up group of people who still weren't convinced completely that Jesus was who he says he was, even after all of that. But here's what we know to be true, is that Jesus chose and empowered an imperfect group of people to complete his mission. And it's not just the disciples then, but it's the disciples now. Is that he chose to say, my power is over you all. My power goes to you, just as you are where you are. And yes, it's imperfect people, but God has chosen to empower us day by day. And if you're sitting in this room, then the Spirit wants to empower you. And so kids in box four, I'd love for you to draw a picture of Jesus giving you power. What does that look like for you? To draw a picture of Jesus giving you power. And so what does this mean that, that our, our Savior would, would willingly give up so much power? What does this mean that he has given us authority to preach and to disciple and to baptize and to bring other people into this movement? It means that for us to be a church of unity, it means we have to be a church that shares power. The church is never supposed to be about the pastor. The church is never supposed to be about the matriarch or the patriarch, about one person who makes decisions. The church is always meant to be a ragtag group of people doing their best to follow Jesus, doing their best to share the postures of humility with one another, doing the best to walk together in love. And so as a church, and as your pastor, my commitment is to be a church that does stuff together, to know and recognize that we need one another, and that we all have something to offer. We, we, there's, there's scriptures that talk about how um, the, it gives the image of the church as the body of Christ, in which Jesus is the head, all right, but that we each have a role to play. And, and, in, and in that text, it talks about if the, the hand would say to the eye, because, I'm not, because you're not a, a, a hand, I have no need for you. That's silly. Uh, we, we need each other. And we all have different parts to play and different roles to play. And Jesus brings us together. And I think one of the things that I've, I've learned about this is that being a part of the body of Christ does not mean that we merely tolerate each other in our community, but that we recognize that we need each other in our community. Sometimes it's easy for us to put up with that person over there, that we have to tolerate them because they're here and I'm here, so we at least got to pretend like we get along, but that's not what Jesus calls us to, is that to be a united body of Christ, we have to recognize that we need each other, that we can sharpen each other, and that we are dependent on each other. And that's the only way we can move forward is if we look at one another and we realize we need them. Because each of us have a perspective that is greater than an individual. Each of us has an ability to be in different places and in more places to spread God's love than there. I can't be at your neighborhood party because that's your neighborhood. 
You can love your neighbors in a way that I can't, but think about the spread that we can do to love our neighbors. There are things that I don't know, but that you know, and we need knowledge and expertise and insight from one another. We have the ability to influence more people than just an individual, but together we have an influence that spreads out, not just in Mustang, but beyond. Our capacity for love is greater together than it is as individuals. And it's amazing what happens when a group of people choose to be obedient to God. And they choose to submit themselves, God, your will, your way. And that we have access to that power. And the crazy thing is what happens when the people of God submit themselves to the love and the power and the obedience of God. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He said this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. I mean, this is what Jesus says, is that the church will do greater things than he did. What an extraordinary and almost ridiculous statement. But this is what he believes, that is that when we as a people are empowered by the Spirit of God, and we walk together in unity, recognizing we need one another, we will do great and wonderful things. And so one of the things that I'm thankful to be at in the United Methodist Church is that we are not a church that, that has power isolated in one place or one position, but that we have various committees, we have various staff members, we have various different entities where, where people have power to lead and to lead well. And that one of the things that I'm thankful for is that it's not dependent on me alone, but it's dependent on us together. And the only way that we're going to walk through this world, and in a world that will continue to try to divide us, is if we share that power well with one another. If we recognize places that we have authority, and we use it wisely to love our neighbors and to love others in our community, and if we walk together. I texted Reuben late last night because sometimes, sometimes sermon stuff comes to me late. And, um, and there was a, a song that, that says, I need you to survive. And I was like, hey, Reuben, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Do we have this song in our, um, you know, database? And he's like, no, we don't. I was like, okay, well, I'll just, instead of us singing it, let me just read to you the lyrics because I think it's, it's got a message for us. And it says this, I need you, you need me. We're all a part of God's body Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It is his will that every knee will be supplied. And the chorus goes, you are important to me. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. And, and it's a, a song that I can imagine us singing once we have a full sanctuary again and looking around this room and seeing different people that um, think differently than I do or that, that come from different places or whatever the case may be, looking around and looking people in the eyes and saying, I need you to survive. I need you to thrive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. You are important to me. I need you to survive. Let us pray. 
So, Lord, we do believe that, that we need one another. And, Lord, we, we need the example that, that you showed us of, of giving up power. Lord, we all have places where we hold power, and, and, and we are all tempted to use power for ourselves, but you call us, to, by your example, to give it away, to empower others as you empower us. And to walk together. And so Lord, in a, in a world that often says, my will be done, may we remember your final prayer in the garden. It says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And may we live in love and in obedience to you, our heavenly Father. And as we walk, Lord, together we pray that we would see the humanity and the spark of the divine that's available to all of us. And that we would see people and we would say, I need you to survive. You're part of this family, this community. We need each other to walk together. Because into a broken and dark world, into a divisive world, you have called us to be the body of Christ, united, you and I together walking, following Jesus with the posture of humility, being empowered by his Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so we do invite you now at this time to um, have communion. If anybody in the room did not get communion, then we can probably, if you would raise your hand and Karen might, will bring it to you. If you are watching this online and you don't have communion elements, um, you can pause it real quick and go get bread or crackers or goldfish or something um, and some juice and, uh, and bring it together. Um, but I'm going to bless these elements, and then I'm going to invite us to take these two things uh, together. So let us pray. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for these elements, for these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. Lord, that, that you gave us your power, that, that you chose, that, that Lord in a world of oppressors and oppressions, that you said the only way to defeat that system is through sacrifice and generosity. And so you gave yourself for us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we take these elements, we would receive your Holy Spirit and that we would be connected to this body of Christ, this imperfect people that you said, I trust you with this most important mission. To help other people experience life and life abundantly through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so I invite you to take the top clear layer off. To take this and to remember that Jesus' love is sacrifice. And that he has given himself for us and he calls us to give ourselves for one another. And to take this bread together. Then I invite you to peel back the cup. Carefully. Some cups might be easier than others. And as you peel this back, it's a reminder that Jesus says, I forgive you. And one of the parts of being in community is to forgive one another as we hurt one another from time to time. 
and to walk together in Jesus' forgiveness. And so I invite you to take this cup together wherever you are. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.